Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks held one of their first padded practices this week, and Field Goals writer Tyler Alson was there to cover it and take it all in, and he's joining the show to talk about it. Tyler, welcome back to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Good to be back. Good to talk football. Uh, kind of snuck up on me, but this is fun. It's great to talk football. You know, I was I I think part of your title is John Gilbert rival, and and I forgot to mention that right off the top. I, I feel like I've been living the rivalry between jo- the the John P. Gilbert Tyler rivalry this off season. <laughs> yeah, m- most of it happens uh, behind the scenes, but uh, I'll throw some some stuff on different pieces or comments, and um, he's uh, he has a different perspective on. Twitter than I do. So I think we just kind of like to lean into that a little bit. Yeah. A little, little peek behind the scenes for, for everybody else. So it's something to look forward to when you, when you look through uh, Tyler's work and yeah, you were at the practice here this week on Wednesday. What was the vibe like uh, just feeling all of the fans there feeling the, the Seahawks players there because gosh, it's been a year since we've had any kind of fan and player interaction uh, what was what was the atmosphere? Yeah, a, a couple of things with the atmosphere. For me, it was just joy. I was so excited um, to be there and to go through the whole process. Started going to training camp a few years back and felt weird not going. Um, so awesome to be there. And the Seahawks themselves uh, are seem excited and fully aware of the weirdness. That was one of the first things they did was come out and talk about you know bringing fans back to even train camp and um they had a guy kind of like a mc for the afternoon uh getting everybody excited uh, but the other part that that surprised me was he asked how many fans were at their first ever training camp uh and it was the majority it was probably three quarters 80 percent so a bunch of newbies um so there's kind of you know I, I think people not knowing what to expect but just out for a beautiful afternoon. The VMAC is incredible, watching some practice. Um, so just a great time, always. If you can get out there, it's definitely worth it. Now, the way they set things up sometimes, they have three different fields at the VMAC. A lot of times the action is over on the far field. I don't know if that's strategic, just so people can't uh, <laughs> get a real good look and you know, post that to social media and, and have other teams check that out. Or if that's just, yeah, that's how they operated even before COVID was an issue. So, uh, but you did get some prime viewing access of our quarterback, Russell Wilson. Yeah. Uh, so I was there, you know, front row, if you've been, you can sit on the Hill or you can stand up against the fence and that's, that's where I was. So no special media access. I was there just like, any other fan um but it is really cool if they use that close field uh you're not very far away from the players so one of the first things they did yeah and and they did use that far field for the majority of practice so uh they started doing kickoff in the very far corner and couldn't even figure out who's getting the ball but russell came over with the quarterbacks and they were doing their um just short route drills and stuff uh which i've seen before but what russ did that was pretty fun this time was brought over uh dk metcalf and new tight end gerald everett 
So that was really fun. Having never seen Everett in person before, um, they only caught from Russ and they uh, just took turns running routes um, and then do some uh, end line, uh, goal line work. And that was really cool, having, having Russ about 40, 50 feet away. And surprise for me was, I don't know if it's part of his game or a specific area of practice that day, but it seemed like Gerald Everett caught every pass with his hands only. Uh, was was a huge point of emphasis, and he was really good at it. So he was he was towing the line. He was making you know just really nice soft hand catches, and that that got me excited because I know he can run with the ball, and he looked bigger than I was expecting. And just to to watch him make some make some catches uh, was really fun. Yeah, he's definitely one guy I'm excited to see in preseason and then through the start of the regular season because I feel like we've gotten a lot of Gerald Everett hype through this offseason. Yeah. Uh, you know, for better or worse, one of the bigger names we signed. So I guess you, you get that. Um, but he, he seems legit. He, he Every element of what they were doing, he just seemed really confident. Um, and again, you know, he was broader than I was expecting. So I know he's a he's a route running tight end to an extent, but he's got the size to go with it. And I think he's going to go really well. We have preseason football actually starting Thursday night this week. It's not the Seahawks, but it is our first game of the preseason. And there was one thing that you pointed out, Tyler, that just it's uh, it's part of what goes along with preseason football to me as an owner of a case in Williams number 18 Jersey. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's having your, your preseason crush. And you pointed out a, a name of a player that I didn't even know was on this team. You may be yep. uh, pointing him out so that we can develop our preseason crush uh, on, on the defense maybe this year. Yeah. So that name, uh, and I, I've heard the pronunciation. So I believe it is Ashari Crosswell. And uh, yeah, like you, I did not know he was there. Um, there. There's a few guys like that, but I actually noticed him um, before the scrimmage. And again, they were so far away. It actually had, I had to read up later that he's the one that made two interceptions uh, when they were going up against each other. But I saw him uh, again, right in front of us. The other drill that happened on our close field was the defensive backs and they were just doing simple one-on-one uh, -on -one run out about three yards and then do a hard cross across the field. And he made, uh, I think he was playing wide receiver for that particular route, um, but he made a pretty ridiculous one-handed catch behind him. So running off to his right, ball behind him, behind his right shoulder, just stuck it out in, uh, in stride and caught the ball right on the nose. And uh, we all chuckled a bit. I thought that was pretty cool. And then come to find out later, he picked off Russell Wilson and Geno Smith during scrimmage. So pretty big day for that guy. Um, but yeah, again, we've we've seen big days, I feel like primarily from wide receivers in, in preseason that have amounted to absolutely nothing. So I have no idea what to do with it. Um, <laughs> But, Jazz Ferguson's uh, name comes I, I, to mind as well. Oh uh, I'm going to switch yep. over to defense. I, I'm going to stop just having my my preseason crush be an offensive player. Yeah, and, and that's what I was going to say. It feels different with his with that position 
wide receiver, I, I just have no idea what to expect from what Pete Carroll uh, wants. But it seems like in the backfield, uh, if you're a guy who can make plays, that gets you somewhere on this roster. So that's kind of why I pointed him out. Um, you know, we, we saw Ryan Neal grab a spot uh, and then do some cool things. And, and even a guy like Alton Robinson, who wouldn't play very much and then make a huge sack, like that seems to be a big deal for this team. And it was really cool to, to watch him do that. Um, and and the, the, the guys get super excited about it, too. Um, there's a lot of energy. It's a it's Pete Carroll camp. Uh, so there's an interception or or a fumble or or a big hit. Um, there's a lot of juice out there this week. So the Seahawks brought in a new quarterback this week, and they released Danny Etling. They bring in Sean Mannion. Listening to Pete Carroll, he made it sound like Mannion isn't competition necessarily for Geno. But you also sounded like you were not so impressed with Geno Smith at camp this week. Yeah, I still might agree with Pete. I don't know what they're going to do with that position. And the nice part of being a Seahawk fan is at the end of the day, it it tends not to matter uh, with the, you know, half a percent of snaps that Russell Wilson has ever missed in his career. But Geno was pretty bad. Um, he, he was doing some, he was doing some strange things out there. Um, just looked kind of like that one time we saw him come in and yeah, he, he got picked, uh, I think two times during scrimmage and had one, uh, in particular coming back towards the VMAC where he hit his, the, the back of his foot hit the end of the five-step drop. So I don't think it was a throwaway. Um, and he just airmailed it past three end zones worth of overthrow. Thanks. <laughs> so yeah, not not impressed by the competition there, but um, hopefully it doesn't mean too much. And I think that goes for just about every team. You hope that you never have to go to the backup quarterback, and that's where we are as Seahawks fans. So coming up next, I want to move over to the defense and talk about where Pro Football Focus ranked the Seahawks defensive line going into the season. Also talk a little bit of Quandre Diggs. That's coming up next. Field goals writer Tyler Alson joining me to talk about Seahawks training camp this week. And I want to flip over to the defensive side of the ball. And it sounds like Quandre Diggs had a particularly impressive day. Yeah, uh, his name was brought up by Michael Bumpus before practice started. They were asking for guys to look out for, and he said uh, Diggs has been uh, flying around at light speed. That seemed to hold pretty true. Um, they're uh, doing that same uh, DB drill from from earlier with the one-on-ones. Uh, I don't know if it's part of the drill or not, but his guy caught the ball. It might have been Trey Flowers. I don't remember. Um but he, he immediately went for the strip fumble, and uh, he got it. Um, it. Pretty hilarious. To, he actually spun his guy all the way around and sent the ball about 20 yards out. Um, so just cool to watch. You know, he, he's he's that kind of guy. He's not the same type of no-quit, you know, as, as we saw uh, Earl Thomas in years past. But he, he loves to hit. He loves to run. And um, – he was doing that as well. He was in on one of the fumbles I saw. I don't know if it was him specifically that caused it, 
Um, but for whatever reason, Diggs seems to get overlooked on some of those safety lists that come out every once in a while, rank the backfield. And I don't know why, but he's everywhere. And uh, it was kind of funny just to watch him while Jamal Adams was on the sideline. Uh, Diggs was, was still playing full speed, just mm. doing his thing all over the place. Yeah, I don't know how people forget about him. He's a Pro Bowl safety. Yeah, and last, you know, not like 10 years ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> doing it right now. Well, moving up to the defensive line, I'm curious if you caught anything with that group because one of the things that we saw today, Pro Football Focus put out their list of defensive lines and uh, the Rams, 49ers, they're up toward the top, which is expected. There's some veteran talent on the Cardinals. And the Seahawks are all the way down, I think, in the bottom five for the NFL in terms of defensive lines. So yeah. I, it seems like it's going to be an underrated group. But it, do we think it's going to be an underperforming group? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, they put them, PFF put them at 29th. Ugh. So way down there. <laughs> And, and, and I actually, I'm, I'm writing about it. We're not published yet, but that one's coming out. I, I, I think, you know, their rationale behind that as well just made no sense to me. Um, as they, you know, said it was, uh, they, they focused on the first half of last season and then put a lot of pressure on the young guys. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me with the moves that they've made and with the uh, history of Seahawks in that position. So the line, the line, I'll admit the line was one of the areas I could not really get much of a sense of from practice. Hmm. Um, I was having a hard time just keeping up, trying to count the back of jerseys, who even was in and who was out. I did see an entire drive of, Benson Mayoa, Alden Smith as the edge guys. And I thought that was pretty interesting because for at least part of it, when I started noticing, um, first team offense was in. So they were out there running Benson Mayoa, uh, Alden Smith as the edge guys. And I don't know, you know, they've talked about different packages, but that's that's sort of what I'm looking at with this defensive line is, is it radically changed when they brought in Carlos Dunlap who I'm arguing in this piece since 2013 Dunlap has never been bad. He's remarkably consistent and I don't see any kind of a drop off, um, you know, any significant drop off next year. And then Kerry Hyder will be an upgrade, but these are, these are the types of signings and the moves that Pete Carroll seems to have relied on um, really going all the way back to free agent signings of Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett. It's, it's not like, they've turned out a whole bunch of rookie contract edge rushers that are impressing the rest of the league. It's more like the Benson Mayoas and the, you know, Carlos Dunlap trades, those kinds of things where they get these veterans in there and then they get stuff out of them. Yeah. So I think that plus the fact that they still have these young playmakers, I really wished I could have seen, you know, some stuff from Daryl Taylor. Um, during practice, because obviously he's one of the bigger question marks. Um, but again, I think his role is really con- to, to complement the consistency of the veterans with some playmaking ability. Um, that's sort of what it feels like they're geared up for this year. Not like we're counting on Alton Robinson to get eight sacks for it to be a successful season. 
Um, but I think these guys are going to be able to rotate through a bunch as disruptors. And we, we should see something far more similar to the second half of last year than the first half of last year. Yeah, it definitely seems like the strategy is having that depth that really provides a, a boost to the defensive line and not having you know necessarily the star power like the other teams yeah. in the division do. Obviously, Carlos Dunlap is the, is the one guy that you point to as as the star, as an aging veteran. But uh, yeah, as you pointed out, he's he's always been good. So we we got to count on that. The other thing I was going to ask you, you brought up Daryl Taylor and it just it my mind immediately goes to KJ Wright and seeing that he was down in Las mm. Vegas meeting with the Raiders on Thursday. No. And fortunately, he leaves without a deal, it sounds like. So maybe there's still hope. Maybe there's still hope. And I... It, it's maybe irrational for me. I just have a, a, you know such an affinity for the player that I want him to be on the team, even though maybe the team wants to get younger at linebacker and uh, they don't see that being a uh, being a possibility unless there's an injury uh, yeah. at linebacker for Seattle. And I guess there's worse places that KJ could go. He could go in the division. So maybe maybe I should be happy if he ends up with the Raiders. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping maybe Pete Carroll started sending him out as a spy and uh, he, he can come back and sign later with a, a deal and some information. There we go. But yeah, I, you know, if, if they want KJ Wright's position to be more pass rush and the types of things they've said about Daryl Taylor, then I don't think uh, the direction will be towards KJ Wright. Well, and, and Jordan Brooks, you know, we saw we saw Brooks toward the end of the last season, and I think he provides a kind of, you know, a different gear than KJ yeah. Wright does now. And KJ, for the position that he played last year, obviously put up big numbers with the, the passes defensed and the pressures. And and so yeah. I, I think that it's hard to lose that. But at the same time, it, I think there's a vision here. It, it's just disappointing when you have such a long-term guy like KJ that, you know, it, it, seeing him not go, not have a job at this point is just weird. It, it is very weird. And I'm like you, I assume there's a plan. I don't understand it. I, I would love for the plan to be KJ in Seattle, but following that, I don't understand why he's nowhere. Um, but he, he knows what he's doing too. And I know KJ is not going to rush off to a bad place or a bad deal. Yeah. Um, so, He'll 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 figure it out. Well, one place where we're wondering where the plan is, it is with the offense and new offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. And Tyler, you pointed it out in your article at fieldgoals.com. The first play of full <laughs> scrimmage, first team, Russell Wilson, and uh it's a delay a game. <laughs> oh my gosh, it took so long. <laughs> So I don't know. You know, it was hilarious about the the final scrimmage. Was it? It felt like a full transformation going from old Seahawks to what I think people hope is new Seahawks. So there was a lot of good that took place, but they came out and and if you've been there, you know these things are are pretty structured. Um, they're just moving from drills to drills and they all seem like they know where they're going and when to do it and none of it's announced. And so we're watching the whole team come together and then reshuffle and, and it's like clockwork. And then they go to this scrimmage and 
come out of huddle and and everyone's good to go and and what what turned my attention to the fact that i i think it was truly some play confusion uh was tyler lockett broke huddle and went to go do his you know slow jog across the field and then he actually came back and they were still talking and they're running a play clock in the corner and it went to zero and about 10 seconds later they're finally on the line with a uh run play to the right side for a two yard loss. <laughs> and I was like, here we go. This is, this is Seahawks football at its best. It's great to be here. <laughs> yeah. Probably not the bit of excitement that you're looking for to start things off. Oh, I suppose. Jeez. But it, but it felt so consistent. It was, you know, it felt like home. Yeah. Nothing's um, changed. Great. But you, yeah, you did but, say that they, they did do some hurry up offense and, and they, they moved pretty well. Yeah. Uh, the focus of the day was third down. So maybe fans would be excited to hear that. There was just a lot of third downs up there. Uh, Third and eight was pretty popular, third and goal. But they did a few drives towards the end where I think the priority shifted a little bit. And, you know, we're 150 yards away and they're not telling us anything. So some stuff is easy to miss, but I did catch back-to-back plays where – Russ hit Lockett for about a 14, 15 yard first down on the right side. And I don't know if he'd thrown much to Lockett that day. They just have this, you know, seven years of magic or however mm-hmm. long it's been. Um, so it just looked so consistent. Um, but then the next part was one of my favorite moments of all of practice because they right back up on the line. And 33 seconds on the play clock, Will Disley has the ball in the end zone for about a three, four-yard touchdown. And I don't know if I've ever seen Seahawks run plays that quickly. Um, so I, I loved how it ended. Uh, that got me going that there's hope they can do it. Uh, <laughs> and, and I you know, I don't know if they will, but I think they can. And I assume that will be part of the plan at some point. And just so great to see uh back-to-back hurry-up passes on the second day of practice on a day when if you've read anything else offense didn't didn't show that great um at the practice that i was at defense won uh but that moment that drive was really encouraging yeah well let's leave it at that then let's let's leave on a, a high note tyler with a touchdown to will disley tyler really appreciate you coming on the show what do you you teased a, a little bit with the PFF piece that you have coming up. Anything else that you're working on for field goals? Uh, I'm going to get back to ranking the most impactful Seahawks of this year. So we took it from 53 up to about 25. And I'll keep finishing that as we count down. Uh, Not the most talented, but the guys that I think will make the biggest difference on this roster this year. So we'll start counting that back down in the coming days. Going to get to see the top 25 coming up. He's Tyler Alson. Be sure and check his work out at fieldgoals.com. Tyler, appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Thanks once again to Tyler Alson for coming on the show, breaking down his visit to training camp on Wednesday, and his article is up at fieldgoals.com, titled PFF Hates the Seahawks Defensive Line for All the Wrong Reasons. Check that out. And while you're up there, you can take a look at some of the latest roster moves as well as that meeting with K.J. Wright and the Raiders. If you're looking for more Seahawks talk, you can hop on over Seahawkerspodcast.com. Adam and I put out a show this week. 
we are talking San Francisco 49ers as part of our Know Your Rival series. So tune into that, SeahawkersPodcast.com. Come back here for all the latest news as we go through the weekend, through Sunday, through the mock game. And until next time, go Hawks.